joining us. This is Generations, and um, we are so excited and blessed and honored tonight to be joined by uh, Brother Lee Stone King, who is here. And um, very shortly, we will be joined uh, by evangelist Chris Green, and we are so thankful to have him. Um, he's going to be popping on here, like I said, just, just here shortly. And we just want to thank everybody for coming on here and uh, let's see what the Lord is going to do tonight. I am really excited about what God's going to do. And again, Brother Stone King, it's such an honor to have you. It's an honor to be here, Dylan. I'm delighted to be of help and service to you, sir. Well, uh, if Brother Green was here, I'd have him open in prayer and then we were going to have you close. Uh, but due to the fact that he hasn't been able to join with us yet, um, we're going to go ahead, if, if you would feel led to, would you would you cover us in prayer before we get started here, Brother Stone King? Yes, sir. Lord Jesus, by the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, God, that you will move by your power upon every individual hearing, every individual viewing, and that, God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of the Lord will go out, that there be anointing to hear, to receive, Open our hearts and our minds. We give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' blessed and wonderful name, we call We call upon you, Lord Jesus. Cover us in the name of Jesus. We cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus in this hour. We give you praise, Lord Jesus, for what you're about to do here. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. So, Brother Stone King, the first question that we are really wanting to start with here um, and we will progress into this as we continue. But the main question, and, and we've, we got to speak a little bit yesterday, and we're, I was very blessed by that, is where do you feel currently that the church is at right now? We are in a warfare. We're in war like we've never been before. <clears throat> we are not in this hour being stoned to death. We're not being burned alive. We're not being tortured as they were in uh, biblical times in 33 AD, but we're living with a pressure that is unprecedented. We are the generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. And that is a tremendous position. And there is something powerful moving on the younger generation. I've given much of my life to the younger generation because they are the future of everything. And the fact that we are that generation upon whom the ends of the world have come, we can expect a demonstration of the spirit of God and mm. power, unlike anything the world has ever seen thus far, because the latter rain is seven times greater than the early or the former rain. That means, Dylan, that everything we read about in the book of Acts will be reenacted before the coming of the Lord, but it will be seven times greater wow. than anything the world has ever seen. Wow. We, we are not headed for some great falling away. I mean, be realistic here. There was 100% falling away in the Garden of Eden. You can't get better than that. There's not going to be a falling away in the end. There's going to be an, av an avalanche of power. I am praying that God will bear his arm. We need the demonstration of the spirit of God in power as we've never needed before. We need, we need people to fall dead like Ananias and Sapphira. We need people to be led out blind like elements in Acts 13. That will stop the nonsense. That will stop the scoffers and the mockers. God can do anything. The enemies of the church, they can mm -hmm. stop breathing a second. 
I'm praying that God will rain down judgment and vengeance upon those that know not God. King David of old said in Psalm 104, verse 35, he said, let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Mm. And every day concrete vernacular, what he was saying is, God, wipe them out. That's what he was saying. And he was a man after God's own heart. He danced over the, that verse. He sang that verse. He shouted over that. Now, I made up my mind, if he, King David can do it, I can do it. So I've been praying every day that very thing, that God will let the wicked be consumed out of the earth, the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and the wicked will be no more. And what's interesting about this, when I pray like that, I can feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Mm. One of the most valuable things for the church to do right now in this hour is we need to cover ourselves with the name of Jesus. We need to cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus every day. I do it several times a day. The last thing I do before I fall asleep at night, Mm. I say, Lord Jesus, I cover myself with the name of Jesus. I cover myself with the blood of Jesus. Mm. It's it's so important. We've got to be covered because there is treachery afoot. There's violence in this hour. Mm. And uh, we've, we've got to be protected by the hand of the Lord. This COVID-19 thing, it's very interesting what I have been able to find out about it. Yes, sir. I have talked to people who are in high places, not a bunch of wannabes. They're trying to make a name for themselves, but yes, people sir. who really are at the top, who know what they're doing. I've got connections. Yes, sir. And this is what they're saying. This is what they're saying. This COVID-19 is not a virus. It's a biochemical, biochemical warfare. It, wow. was, it was invented. It's a destructive force. It's not a virus. It's wow. biochemical warfare. And what's happened is this thing is in the earth. And that's why it's so, con- as they say, contagious, because it's a biochemical warfare chemical. Wow. The Chinese knew exactly what they were doing. It would appear that the Chinese invented this to break our economy so they can become the po- superpower of the world. But it's backfired wow. because they don't understand there is a God in heaven who supports his people. And I pray daily, Dylan. I pray this all the time. I want you to join me. All of you hearing me, join me. Pray that God will absolutely deliver us yes. from the evil of this hour. <clears throat> and that God will cover us with his power. And that God will destroy the wicked from the face of the earth. We've got to pray like that. We've, we've yes, actually sir. got to work with it. Because... A prayer works. You can control things by praying. Yes, sir. But you have to pray consistently. Mm. And I've done it for years. I've done it for years. Through the years, I've taken people out. I've taken people down. People yes, disappeared. Sir. Because here's the thing. They may fight you and they may fight me. Right. But they can't fight the God that's inside of us. Amen. There's nothing they can do with that. Amen. There's nothing they can do. And that's where I'm at. And I'm becoming bolder as I get older. Mm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and I think that's uh, what you were saying, Brother Stone King, is just the key is that consistent prayer and, and taking authority over these things that are taking place. It's, it's really something. I mean, <clears throat> I'm 79 years old. I remember as a child, I remember World War II. We lived on a farm in Iowa. We had our own cow. We had our own chickens. We had a big garden. My mother canned four to 500 quarts of fruit and vegetables every year. She baked homemade bread. We had food. But Dylan, there were things we couldn't get. Wow. And there were places we couldn't go. Yes, sir. And we got through that. 
And then it was the polio epidemic. And my sister and I couldn't go down and play by the well where we watered the cattle. We couldn't do all, all kinds of things we were not allowed to do. Right. We got through that. And then it was the Ebola. And then it was the SARS virus. But now it's this COVID-19. It's this coronavirus. Yes, this sir. thing is a killer. This is a killer. Mm. Because it's chemical. It's biochemical warfare is what it is. We've never been this place before. We've never been here before. And no one knows exactly all there is to know about it at this point. Yes, sir. So it, it's, it's just a dangerous situation. That's why I, re, I repeat myself. We need to cover ourselves with the name of Jesus. And I'm asking God to absolutely just crush out, wipe out mm. this COVID-19 virus. Because we need to be free to get out among people, to lay hands on them, to pray yes, for them, to work with them. I don't see how we can have the revival we need to have in the end if we cannot touch people, if we cannot get close to them and gather together as we've always done. Yes, sir. So I am praying that God will wipe this thing out, and he can do it. I mean, he opened up the earth in the Old Testament and swallowed death in the bar of Korah. Mm. He got the Hebrew children out of Egyptian bondage. He's done all kinds of things. He can do it again. Yes, and sir. we need it to happen. We need it to happen. Yes, sir. So what are things right now that you feel... Uh, people need to be doing to position themselves. What what are things that that my generation we need to be doing right now to be positioning ourselves for what you are feeling that has to happen? I think one of the main things is everybody right now needs to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Dylan, Chris, there are a lot of people who know about Jesus, but they don't know him. I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. And so I'm encouraging everybody, young people, older people, get a personal relationship with Jesus because that is the power. That's the power of the thing. Because if you have a personal relationship with him, then you will know how to conduct yourself, how to act in all of this. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. That makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Because if you have a personal relationship with God, you can be led by the Spirit. And while I'm on the subject of that, you know, for years I've heard people talk about, Let's, we're going to be led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, move it, walk in the Spirit. How, how does one walk in the Spirit? Mm. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I mean, you can't pray 24 hours a day, 7-Eleven. You can't right. fast 40 days a month, you know, that type of thing. And you can't do it. So what does it mean to walk in the spirit? What does it mean to, to, to live in the spirit? Here's what it means. <clears throat> I really believe, I've come to believe that what, how to walk in the spirit is to become, develop a God consciousness mm. where you are conscious of God at all times. I mean, I can pray in the grocery store, and I do it. I pray in the car. I pray on planes. Yes, sir. I can feel God. I, I can look in the sky and feel God. I can hear the wind rustle through the leaves of the trees of the forest and feel God. I can watch a bird in flight, and I can feel God. You have to. He's in everything. He's in everything. Mm. I can watch a rose unfold in the morning sunlight. How in the world do soft, velvety petals unfold out of a thorny stick? Mm. 
explain that. You can't explain that. Only God could do something like that. Wow. I live in I live in apple country where there's huge apple orchards here. And how is it at this time of year? It's the family time. The families go out and pick apples together. They make apple cider and all that type of thing in the autumn, rather. But here's the thing: you could reach up, you can pull an apple off that limb, sink your teeth into it, and juice will run down your chin and drip off on your shirt. And you don't even care. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. How is that possible? Try eating the limb. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. I mean, only God. So if you develop a God consciousness, it's absolutely tremendous. For example, let's say you're in a car driving down a, a, a two-lane road, and all of a sudden the car comes over the hill and his head is straight towards you. And, and, and the, the first thing you do is scream, Jesus. You know what that means? Hmm. You're God conscious. Wow. He's in your car. He's in your subconscious yeah. system. That's the thing that comes up. If you cry help or cry, grab your wife or grab the steering wheel or something, that's not being God conscious. It, he's in there. He's just in there. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I, li I live there. I just live there because I want to know him. As I said, right. you can develop a God consciousness. Wow. So you're aware of him. Well, once you live in that, you don't want to let go of him. I, I mean, for example... We've been, you and I have been in great services where the power of God was just absolutely stupendous. It was stellar off the charts, just fabulous. Well, we didn't want to go home. We didn't want to leave that. We wanted to retain that spirit, retain that feeling. Well, <clears throat> the way to do it is to develop a God consciousness yes, so that no matter what's going on around you, you are conscious of God. Wow. Yes, sir. You just have that steady consciousness of where he's at, how he's moving. It's not necessarily praying 24 hours a day, as you said, but it's just being aware of his presence when it comes into the room. Just being a steady state of aware of where he's at and how he's moving. Yes. I believe yesterday you said on the phone something. I'd, I'd love if you would mention it again. Uh, you said that, that it's hard to live for God easy, but it's easy to live for God hard. Would you elaborate oh, on is. that with us just a little bit? Yeah. If you, if you live for God hard, excuse me, it's very easy. But if you live for him easy with one foot in the world, mm. it's very hard. Yes, sir. But if you, if you just give everything you've got to Jesus, give your whole life to him, I mean, you're going to have the most incredible life in the entire world. Yes, sir. And I've when I came into this, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I've always been a talented individual. I could do anything I wanted to do if I wanted to do it. If I don't want to do it, I couldn't care less. And I'm still like that. But I mean, I, I, was, I was a tap dancer in the theater. I did all kinds of things. Yeah. I was on my way to a chiropractic school to become a doctor. And, and then, then I got the Holy Ghost. And, the, and I was on my way to Radio City Music Hall wow. for an audition. And I, when I was only 19 years old, and I would have made it. But I was hurt in a car accident very seriously when I was 16, and it, it did some damage to my spinal column. So I knew I could never really be a success on Broadway and that type of thing with the injury I had. So I let go of it. Well, then someone invited me to an apostolic Pentecostal church, and I got the whole baptism of the Holy Ghost, got baptized, and the rest is history. Mm. What I'm saying is this. When I came into this, I let go of everything. I dropped everything. I let go of it all. Wow. I, th I threw myself totally into this because if you do that, and I promise young people this, I promise adults this, 
Today is the first day of the rest of your life. If you will give God everything you are, I promise you as a man of God, I've had the Holy Ghost 56 years. If you give him everything you are, you will get to do things in life that other people only wow. read about books. Wow. And I'm one of those people. I've gotten to do things that other people only read about in books. I've traveled the world. I've seen thousands receive the Holy Ghost. I've seen miracles of healing. Wow. It's amazing. Wow. I've seen the things that other people read about. Wow. And I have I have an exciting life. If I had my life live over again, do it exactly the same. Yes, because sir. if you've got Jesus, you've got life. You've got Jesus, you've got everything. Yes, you've sir. Got, he's everything. Jesus is where it's at. I love it. <laughs> He's where it's at. Yes, sir. <laughs> you can try everything. I've talked to former people who've been in the theater, and they will tell you that this is this is where it's at. Mm. We didn't, we had no idea. I've talked to drug addicts. I've rescued many of them. And one guy told me, he said, "This is the highest high I've ever had." He said, "I wow. thought dope was hot." He said, "This Holy Ghost," and the Holy Ghost smashed him on the floor. It was amazing. He said, "This is it. the highest high I've ever had." And it is. It is. Yes, sir. There's nothing out there that can compete. I love nothing it. out there can compete with this. I can tell you. I tell you the truth. The simple truth is, drugs, alcohol, immorality, liquor, all of these things. That's the devil's substitute for the real thing. Mm. That's the best thing has to offer. <laughs> I love it. That's all he can offer. But we have the real thing. Yes, sir. This Jesus, this baptism in Jesus' name, this baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's the ultimate. It's the goal. Yes, sir. Because when, when God made you, there's a void inside of you that nothing will ever fill except him. Mm. And so no one is ever complete. No one is ever really satisfied until he comes into the life and he dwells inside of you. Wow, that is so good. That is so good, and it's so true. And so, the, what what you said to me yesterday is just—it's still ringing in my head. It's it's hard to live for God easy, but it's easy to live for God hard. And and your explanation yeah. of it right there—it's just we've got the real thing, and there's no need to go and look thing. for for the false and the fake, and the, not when we've got got the greatest. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, and, and I have witnessed to so many people. It's just amazing through the years for some of the things I've seen. But here's the thing. You, what happens to us is, and let's talk about anointing for a moment. There are many explanations for anointing. You'll hear all kinds of things. There's books written about it, whatever. But anointing is nothing more, nothing less than the favor of God. Some people have more favor than others. But anointing is the favor of God. That's really what it is. And if you have an anointing in your life, people can feel that when you walk in. See, I'm not advocating wow. jewelry, but I'm not advocating jewelry here. But if you put a ring on your finger, when you first put it on there, you're very much aware of it. You'll, you'll, you'll flip it around with your finger, you know, and, and be aware of it. But after a week or two, you sort of forget it. A month or two, it becomes a part of your hand. You didn't even think about it, but it's still there. When you first get the Holy Ghost, he first comes inside of you. You're very much aware of him. Mm. But give it a week or two, a month or two. You, 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 you don't think about it, but he's there. And so when you walk in, when you come out of a powerful church service and you walk into a restaurant to eat, I've had people stop eating and look at me when I walked in. 
and I've checked everything over real quick to make sure nothing's missing. Nothing's missing on my clothes. Everything's together. <laughs> it's not that. They feel something. That something is the Holy Ghost. Wow. In fact, I walked. I walked into a. <clears throat> I walked into a drugstore years ago, where they years ago they used to serve ice cream in the drugstore. You could, as a kid growing up, you could get an ice cream cone at the local drugstore. You went and stood on a little little counter. It was just tremendous. That was a big deal for me as a kid. A strawberry ice cream cone. I thought that was the biggest thing in the whole world as a kid. So I, I was used to that. Well, when I got to become an adult, I still liked it. And I still like root beer floats, you know, things like that. Oh, yeah. So I went, I went to this one place. And they had this little, little, this little bar there. And they had these stools. And there was a guy sitting here near, on this end. And I went down to the right of him about five stools. I just sat down and uh, ordered something. And uh, this man looked at me. And this is what he said. He said, you send forth powerful vibrations. I said, would you like me to tell you what it is? <laughs> I told I him, it. Oh, Holy Ghost. It shook him up, man. Yes, when you sir. walk in places, they feel God. Wow. Yes, sir. I've gone I've gone with the Andrews family down in Delaware. I preach for them. They're wonderful people. We've gone out to eat. And their children are beautiful. They dress modestly and all that type of thing. And so we we're going to the restaurant, a big restaurant to eat after a service, and we, when we walk in as a group, five or six of us, everything stops, they all stop and look. Mm. Because, because they're not accustomed to feeling or seeing this. You can you carry the anointing of God in your body everywhere mm. you go. Jesus. People feel that. It irritates some people. People have spirits, they're afflicted with demonic spirit. Mm. They'll feel that immediately, and, and they'll, they'll cower against you, they will. Mm. Wow, that's so good. Uh, Brother Green, I see that you have joined us. We're praying that the audio is working for us now. Are, are you Can with you us? hear me? Can you hear me? Man, I still don't hear you. <laughs> ah, I don't know what the We're problem is. We're trying our best, though. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Well, we'll get this, sorry. We'll get this figured out. And uh, while we're getting it figured out, um, Brother Stone King, I want to go ahead and Go to the next question, if that's all right with you. And uh, the, the next question that I wanted to ask you is, is uh, what direction in this season? We, we've talked about where we feel that we're at, but now where do you right. feel as the church, the body? Where are we headed right now? What, what, what's the trajectory of our church, of the apostolic church? I think we're headed for the greatest revival we've ever known. One of the things that this COVID-19 has done is it has got the church out of the building. The church now is in the streets. That's where God always wanted it. It was in the streets in the beginning. If you study church history, and I have, in the beginning, there were 50,000 believers in, in Jerusalem. There were 50,000 believers in Antioch. They didn't have a Roman Colosseum. They didn't have anything to house a group like that. So the meetings, the move of God was in the streets. It was out in the open. Crowds would draw near to joke or to mock or make fun of it or just curious. And they got close to the anointing and the fire of God. They got a hold of them. That's why they had such a tremendous move of God. It was in the streets. And in the end result, I've listened to top professors from Harvard and Yale, and they say, they admit 
It was Christianity that destroyed the Roman Empire. And the reason is because the fire couldn't burn it, the walls couldn't hold it, and the lions couldn't eat it. It was like a forest fire out of control. It absolutely toppled everything in its in its path, everything in its wake. So it was Christianity that destroyed the Roman Empire. And one of the interesting things about this is Nero was the first Roman emperor to persecute Christians. But what's interesting about this, and he was ruthless, absolutely ruthless. What's interesting, his wife, Papia, the history says she was a believer. That means she'd been to the Mamertine prison. She'd listened to the Apostle Paul preach. And the Mamertine prison was across from the Forum at that time in Rome. I've been to all the ruins of those places. What's interesting about this, right under Nero's nose, his own wife was an apostolic Christian. What's really intriguing is if you read the, the epistles, when Paul concludes his epistle, he will, he will say, you know, greet this one or, or, or send greetings to this one, that type of thing. But he, in most of his epistles, he will say, this one greets you, that one greets you but chiefly those of Caesar's household. Mm. That's absolutely a staggering statement. Yes, sir. He's saying, I greet you, the church here greets you, but mainly the saints of Caesar's household. Yes, sir. The Holy Ghost infiltrated everything. They could not stop it. And that's what God wants to happen again. That's what God wants to take place. He wants that to take place again, but he's only got us to use. He has to be able to flow through us. The key to being used mightily by God is to be available. If you make yourself available to God, that's the key to being used mightily. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He never had a perfect vessel. God never had a perfect vessel. He used what was available. Mm. That's all he had. Yes, sir. And he still does that. In fact, I've gone, I've gone through the list. I mean, Abraham laughed at the promises of God. We preach about Sarah laughing. They both laughed. He laughed too. Yes, sir. Well, you got Gideon. He, he, he cried like a child in the wind. You've got David. I mean, he failed in everything you can possibly fail in. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. And you, you've got, you got all these. And then you got Elijah. And then, you know, and whimpering like a, an autumn leaf in the in the wind. And then you got the apostle, you got Peter, he murdered Christians. Mm. You got the apostle Paul, he murdered Christians. And Peter, after he'd walked on water with the creator, mm. cursed and swore, I don't know him. I've never met him. Mm. I mean, I mean, Dylan, come on. Yes, sir. Chris, come on. So here I did one day, I went through the whole list, more, more detailed than I've given you here. I counted all the failures of all these people that God has used. And this is what I said in the end, okay? I said, look, I'm not guilty of any of that stuff. If you can use them, you can use me. And mm. I volunteer. <laughs> I love and that's it. how I do it. Yes, sir. Because you can persuade God. Moses persuade God, persuaded God. God, the Bible says, God comes for our words. Yes, sir. He comes, he comes for our words. Every time you pray, you may not feel that much. God may not say anything, mm. but he's there to listen. Every time you pray, he comes to listen. Yes, sir. You know, brother, uh, I know you know brother Josh Herring very well. And uh, oh, yeah. uh, one of the things that brother Herring, brother Herring said, he was here speaking uh, just a few 
few weeks ago, he said, he brought out that when, when Daniel was in praying and the angel came, you know, trying to, to deliver him and, and bring forth the prophecies and all that, that he, he caught up at war in the, against the prince of the, of the area. And he, he brought something out that I don't think anybody, personally, I've never seen before. And it was that the angel said that he was coming for his words. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. and, and it was just, it was such a revelation how, how your words can genuinely shift everything in the atmosphere. And, and I, think, I think that's one of the things that we have to start doing right now is we have to start changing our vocabulary about what's going on and take it off of the issue and put it on the solution. And that's always been Jesus. And if we can start talking more about him right now, we'll see the revival that you're talking about. There's no doubt about it because he does come for our words. So I build my case like a defense lawyer. Mm. I put my words together and, and, and he, he, he comes for our words. Moses persuaded him. God was gonna destroy those Hebrew children. Yes, sir. And Moses persuaded him. There are times in your life when you can actually persuade God. Yes, I've done sir. it twice. Wow. Two times it really worked. It was, there were desperate situations, and I persuaded God, and he, he heard me. He wow. absolutely heard me. There's no doubt about it. So he comes for our words. So some people, they pray, you know, 10,000 Jesuses and 40,000 hallelujahs and all that, <laughs> and that's fine. But if you put words together... He comes for our words. Mm. I build my case. I, in fact, I've told Jesus. I've prayed some pretty powerful prayers. That's yes, a pretty detailed. He says, come boldly with you. Make your request known to God. And sometimes I've said to Jesus, at the end of my prayer session, I've said this. Jesus, I know I don't deserve this, but I want it just because I want it. Wow. <laughs> in other words, what I'm saying is, and I admit this, I am a spoiled spiritual brat, and I like it. I really do like it. Yes, sir. <laughs> wow. Uh, Brother Green, the viewers are saying that they are able to hear you. So we won't be able to hear you, but we would love for you to weigh in. I can see I can see you talking, but I can't hear you talking. Everybody else says that they can hear you perfectly. Are there, are there some things okay. you would like to weigh in? Can you hear on? me? You can't hear me? We can't hear you, but everybody is texting okay. me, and, and the input is well, they can hear you just fine. So... Um, I believe you can hear us as well. So is there anything you'd like to, to add in here about where the church is at and where we're going? Sure. Let me add this uh, to, to what Brother Stone King is saying um, about God hearing our voice and uh, hearing our words. I was reading in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, which the moment you say 2 Chronicles chapter 7, people think of verse 14. And I was reading that last week and reading that entire chapter, and you find the context of what verse 14 is in verses 12 and 13. And the scripture says that the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. This place is the, the temple that Solomon had built, but we know that in the New Testament, once you have received the Holy Ghost and been baptized in the name of Jesus, your body is now that temple of, of the Spirit of God. And so he says, I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Watch this in verse 13. He says, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land, 
or send pestilence among my people. These are the words preceding verse 14. God takes responsibility and says, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or when I command locusts to devour the land, or when I send a pestilence among my people, and that word pestilence here is translated in the Hebrew as an, a fatal epidemic or disease, a fatal epidemic or disease. And God has taken responsibility here in saying, when I do these things, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, the first thing he will do, he says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. But notice, notice the, the process that he lays out in verse 14. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. It's interesting that he almost prioritizes humility before he speaks of prayer. Because if you speak, if you pray without humility, then you won't hear the voice of God. If you pray without humility, then you're not praying for his purpose and for his will to be done. You're praying for God to answer your prayers and for it to be, for it to be done the way you want it to be done. So he says, if my people will humble themselves, a lot of people pray without humility. And I think that it's, it's difficult to, to humble ourselves, which is why Jesus said, if anybody wants to come after me, let him deny himself first, then take up his cross and follow me daily. So he says, if you will humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear your voice. I will hear your prayers from heaven, forgive your sin and heal your land. We ought to pray for our, our government, our officials, the, the, the police department. We ought to pray for everybody, the first responders. But God says, I'll take care of the land. I'll heal the land if you'll humble yourself and pray. I'll hear your voice and I will heal the land. Go ahead. I went ahead and, and, and turned it up on my phone and actually got to hear you on Facebook. And Oh, man, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but bro, I, you know, it's everything that you were saying, Brother Green, it's so true. We've got to have that spirit of humility and in prayer right now. It's the only way. Um, and, and as I've heard for a very long time, matter of fact, I have this background saved on my phone and it was brother Kilgore. He said, the answer to this generation, he said, will always be prayer. And, and I think it's just, it's just the truth. I mean, I believe it's where we're at. And I think God's calling people to a dedication of consecration. And I think that's one of the things that happened in this pandemic in this season is God called us to humble ourselves and pray like we have never prayed before. And I, and I believe that we are set up for an apostolic revival like, like we've never been set up for it. And I think God's getting ready to do some, some powerful things amongst our, our, our churches all across America and all across the world. That's awesome. Um, uh, I, I wanted to go to this, this next question here. Um, and, and I'm really, I'm, I'm excited to ask this question, especially with you, Brother Stone, can you, Brother Green on here? And, uh, and one of the things that, that I think has been very difficult, but also, um, we've learned a lot in this season, uh, is, is the, the, the trial that I think that the, the evangelist went through or, or the missionary have gone through, 
um, that, that haven't been able to get back to their foreign fields um, or, or the evangelist who, you know, has been preaching to a camera like we all have. Um, you know, what, what advice do you have for the evangelist right now, for the missionary right now, for, for the person who's, who's doing their best right now in this situation? Well, the thing to do is just keep living for God and keep praising him in the middle of all of this situation. Uh, I found out that no matter what happens, if you can praise God, prayer, worship is the prerequisite to the miraculous. If you will just, if you beg continuously, if you demand continuously, it doesn't do the same thing as praise. Praise and worship, that's the prerequisite to the miraculous. So no matter what happens, I always try to praise God and worship him in the situation because that really is the answer, prayer and praise. It really is the answer. For example, the Syrophoenician woman, Jesus, she came asking for help. She was a Gentile and she, Jesus basically called her a dog. Mm. It's not fit, it's not meat to give the children's bread to the dogs. She said, yea, Lord, but the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. In other words, she recognized who he was and she worshiped him for it. And God broke his own order of events and prophetic happenings and let a Gentile in before the thing really was opened in the book of Acts. She got in before the Gentile dispensation began. It's amazing what worship does. Wow. I know, I know for a fact right now, there are more people praying in the United States than have ever prayed in the history of our nation. Wow. More people are praying now than have ever prayed in the history of this nation. I'm sure you saw the clips in Rome, Italy, where people were on the streets, lying on their faces, standing on their knees with their hands, worshiping God, praying God, asking God to kill and destroy this pandemic. It's amazing. The whole world is involved in this. This is our day to present Jesus. This mm -hmm. is our day to present him. Because I know that uh, for evangelist example, there are some evangelists that are they're preaching online and uh, there are people sending them offerings. And so that, that, that will help, you know what I'm saying? But somehow God will make a way for us. He's always made a way for us. He'll make a way for us individually. This way, one way for you, another way for me. And so that's what we have to do. I just keep walking by faith. Sometimes, sometimes you just have to walk by faith. You can't walk by feeling. You can't walk by signs you have to just walk by faith and sometimes that's all you have is faith but faith faith is the hand of the soul that reaches out to god and never returns empty you you combine faith and prayer it works mm. it actually works it has to work and god is faithful that promised wow 
So good with the green. Is there anything you'd like to add on to that? Oh, definitely. Um, Brother Green, I, uh, I wish I could hear you, man. I do too. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> when you start to talk, I turn you up on Facebook and I can hear you. I don't know what's going on, but I'm <laughs> I'm glad I can hear you over here at least. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Well, Dylan, you can fill me in later what he said, okay? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Everything I have to say came from Brother Stone King's notebook, so he knows exactly what I'm going to say. But but um, what he said it, it seems simple, but yet profound when he said to keep serving the Lord. I found a few weeks ago the scripture, Hosea chapter 5 and verse 15, that says, in their affliction, they will seek me early. And that word affliction in the Hebrew translates to a tight place of distress. And I happened to look up the word early because I was praying that it meant something other than early. And I don't like to get up early. So I looked it up, and unfortunately, the Hebrew word for early does mean early, but it has a deeper meaning. It also means to diligently seek for. So you could say that sentence like this, that verse like this, Hosea 5.15, in their tight place of distress, they will diligently seek me early. You jump forward to the New Testament in Hebrews 11 and 6, which says that God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. In this time of distress, in this tight place that we are all facing right now, we must seek God more fervently, more passionately, more deliberately, more diligently, more desperately, more intentionally. We must seek God like we have never sought him before. I was praying uh, several weeks ago and I said, God, I've got to know what's going on. I've got to hear your voice. I've got to know your words. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I reveal my secrets to those who will seek me early and seek me diligently. We've got to have the vision of God in this time of chaos uh, where there is no vision, the people perish. And it's so easy um, for us to lose the spiritual vision of God during this time of carnality and chaos and confusion. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 4 through 6, Preceding his, his lesson on the end times, he said, do not let anybody deceive you. Don't let anybody deceive you. And in verse 6, he said, he, said, um, he said, and do not be afraid. He said, don't let anybody deceive you and do not be afraid. In the next several verses, he begins to teach about the end times and what's going to happen in the last days. But he told us the foundation is that we can excuse me, we cannot be deceived and we cannot be afraid. It would be so easy right now to allow this, uh, this season and allow what's going on around us to deceive us, to take our eyes off of God who is in charge. God is in charge of everything that's going on right now. Just a few minutes ago, I read you the verse, 2 Chronicles 7 and uh, 13, when God says, I'm the one who sends the, uh, the fatal epidemic, the pestilence. I'm the one who sends that. And you may say, well, why, why is that a great revelation for us to understand? How does that give me faith? It gives me faith to know that God is in charge, that the devil didn't send the pandemic. It, the devil didn't cause the chaos. It was God who sent this. If, if I were Moses or one of the Israelites leaving Egypt, it would have been a great advantage for me to understand 
that God was the one who was in charge of the whole process. When Pharaoh said, no, I'm not letting the Israelites leave. And Pharaoh said, no, you're not going to be delivered today. In fact, I'm going to make your lives even harder. I'm removing the straw from, from your work to make the bricks. It would have been an advantage for me to understand that God is in charge. God's the one that put Pharaoh on the throne. He says it in Exodus I think chapter nine, he says, Pharaoh, I'm the one that put you on the throne. I could have killed you. In fact, he tells Pharaoh, he said, I could have sent a pestilence into Egypt and killed all of you. He said, but for this purpose, I have raised you up, Pharaoh, so that I can show my glory through you and that the entire world will know my name. It is an advantage to every minister to understand, to remember, to realize that God is in charge. You read it in 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. It says in verse, in verse 3, Peter says, Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth, following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. He's saying, don't listen to scoffers. Don't be deceived by scoffers. They, they will come in and say, okay, apostolic church, where's the promise? Okay, apostolic preacher, where's the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that you promised would happen? Where's the promise of the second coming of Christ that you had preached about? They will scoff and they will mock us saying, it's not going to take place. They will say things like this, since the days from the beginning until now, everything has remained the same. Verse 5, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. Skipping down to verse 9, he says, but the Lord isn't really being slow. The King James says that God is not slack concerning his promise, but the New Living Translation says it like this. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anybody to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. What an advantage for us as a minister, as a preacher, as a man or woman of God to understand that God hasn't forgotten us. God hasn't forgotten his promise. He isn't slack. He isn't slow. He is being patient for more souls to be saved, for more people to turn around from their wicked ways and to find an altar of repentance, uh, to be baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. All of the chaos that's going on around us isn't God forgetting. It's God being patient for us. Last verse I'll share with you in verse 11, it says, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. The word godly in the Greek translates to a reverent awareness, a reverent awareness of the kingdom of God, a reverent awareness, almost a fearful awareness. That word reverent means a deep, 
and solemn respect. We shouldn't just be aware as apostolic believers, as Christian followers, as preachers. Yes, we are all aware of a spiritual kingdom, of a God of creation, the King of kings and Lord of lords. But there should be a reverent awareness. If you will have a reverent awareness for the things of God, it will change your prayer life. It will change your daily life, change the way you walk, the way you live, the way you think. It's easy to live complacent. It's easy to live in convenience. It's easy to live lackadaisical apostolic lives when we are just simply aware of God. But when we transform into a reverent awareness like Peter speaks about, he says, considering all these things and that all this stuff around us is about to dissolve, that God is coming back. He said, we should have a reverent awareness, a deep and solemn respect of awareness that God is in charge. When you allow yourself, when you adopt this reverent awareness to take control over your mind, set your alarm earlier in the morning to get up and eagerly wait for God, to get your marching orders from God's voice. You will have a, a, a prayer time throughout the day. You will do what Paul said, to pray without ceasing. You'll read your Bible with conviction. You'll listen to your pastor with that, with that spiritual conviction and, and recognition that, God, I need the power of the Holy Ghost more than I need anything else. It will be difficult for you to to social distance yourself away from lost souls for the sake of wanting to win one more person to Jesus Christ when you have a reverent awareness that God is coming back a reverent awareness that there is a hell just as real as there is a heaven and one day God is going to sound that trumpet and we will go one of two places either to a burning fire of hell and brimstone where there will be no end or where we, we will see Jesus in the air where he will say well done thou good and faithful servant we cannot be deceived away from the fact that there is an eternal kingdom coming to place we must have a reverent awareness that will drive us closer to the throne in this hour it's more important than we can, can imagine it's more important right now than any other time that we have lived we must have this reverent awareness Wow, Brother Green, that is, I, I mean, I think I was able to even let Brother Stone King hear that. Brother Stone King, is there anything you'd like to add on to that? I mean, that is just so powerful. I don't even want to touch that. I just want to let you two talk now. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely powerful. Absolutely powerful. There's no doubt about it. There is no truth like this truth. There's nothing like it because it's alive. Amen. It's absolutely alive. So I think, Chris, that was absolutely tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. You know, Brother Green, you made mention of the spirit of fear, you know, that, that is trying to grip the church. And I think anybody, I think, I think we're feeling that right now. And Brother Stone King, if there's something you'd like to add, we would absolutely love that as well. But that spirit of fear that is trying to grip the church, I think you hit it right on the head. We've just got to remember that God's still in control. And, and this is all a sign pointing to a time and we need to remember that we need to be looking up and trusting in God right now because just as much as he prophesied about these things that are coming to pass he also prophesied about the harvest that was going to come to pass 
And we've got to put our trust in God that he's going to equip us in this season. If we will, as Brother Green said, get in that prayer room, make time for him, get in the word, do those things, dedicate our lives. God's not going to leave us without the tools for this harvest. That's right. Can you hear me okay? I'll go ahead. God gave me a vision. It's been, I don't know, a few years ago now. But um, I I was praying, and um, I it was right here in my own home, and just for a few seconds, out in front of me, about maybe two feet across, there was a circle of darkness. But in that darkness, I could see gargantuan faces, and you, you've seen these uh, ugly faces that are carved on the outside of Hindu temples in India. You've seen some of those faces. That's exactly what was in this black hole I was looking into. It was a vision from God. It lasted about 15 seconds. It was gone. But they had claws, and I could tell. There was no sound. I couldn't hear. But I could tell there was screaming. I could tell there was noise because there was pain on their faces, that type of thing. And so when it vanished, I, I, I said, God... You know, and this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, there is the most unbelievable battle raging all around you all the time. What you are seeing is that battle that is raging around you. And this con- this confirms why what Chris just said is so powerfully true. And it is the answer, it's the solution. There is a raging battle in the spirit world all around us because God said to me, they know their days are numbered. Mm. And we don't see that. Thank God I don't see it. But there's a battle raging around us all the time. That's why you can be going along in life, everything fine. All of a sudden you feel like you're in a vacuum. There's a cloud. There's some kind of a darkness. You, You don't know what to do with it. It's not you. That's the thing I want to get across to people, and I'm working with it. It's not you. It's on the outside trying to get in. If it can get into your mind, that the the devil ever gets a hold of your mind, he's got you. But you have to cast those things out of your mind in Jesus' name. Rebuke that stuff. If it gets into your mind, then it gets into your heart. It gets into your soul, and then you'll manifest that. It's it's really amazing. But as long as you know what's going on, you can really fight it. So now I understand what's going on. Once before, when I was very young, I was with a ha- uh, family here in this area praying at night one night while three of us were praying, older minister and his wife. And I was over by the piano bench, and I was helping them pastor five churches that they started in this area when I first got into Bible school. Anyway, um, I, I, something opened up in front of me, and I could see this. Again, it was a hole, and I could see these same type of ugly faces and claws reaching out toward me. But all of a sudden, on either side of me, there were angels in white. I didn't see that. I could see their arms, and I could see their feet and their robes, but I could not see the top part of them. All I could see was their hands. They had these huge white swords shoving those ugly forces back into that hole. Something came over me right then. I was never the same. Something happened to me. Then I understood what intercessory prayer does. Intercessory prayer 
drives the forces of hell backwards. And here's another thing I've learned. I, I don't see angels, but I'm very much aware of them. Angels are attracted. The more you pray, the more powerful your personal angel becomes. Wow. That's why some people have that angelic presence. Angels are attracted. They, they desire to look into this. For example, when you're praying with people, there's never a service you're in where you're preaching with anointing that angels are not present because they desire to look into this. They come in the building. Wow. They're very military. They're very military in their format. They will come in. They will stand in like, like military posts along the sides of the sanctuary. I, I've known that they come up and stand at the end of every pew down the center aisle. They'll come up on the platform and stand there. And the reason I know that because men who do see them have told me these things when I walked into, into the service. It's amazing. It's amazing what we've got a hold of and what really is at our disposal. But these angels, they are ministering spirits to the heirs, would-be heirs of salvation. Well, angels, the more, the more you pray, the more powerful they become. And, and you can be aware of them. And I am aware of them. And when they are present, this is how you can tell they're present. When angels are present, there's a downshifting in the service. Everything goes down. There's a depth that comes in just immediately because they bring wholeness with them. When angels come into your services, they bring wholeness because they come straight from the throne of God. They come from the heavens. And they bring that power into the service. And you can feel it. And when there are angels present, all kinds of things will happen. Jesus. Wow. It's, it's amazing. In fact, there's an angel. It, it, it's, a, it's really amazing. Um, I was in a service one night, and I was preaching. And, of course, Brother T.W. Barnes, he was like a dad to me. We were very close. And uh, I was in a service preaching, and this was after he had passed away. And uh, there was a man in the service at the end, the older service. He appears, he's like, he walked up, he said, Brother Stonking. He said, Brother T.W. Barnes's angel was in this service tonight. I looked at him and I said, yes, I know. I asked for him to be here. It blew him away, but that's where I live. That's who I am, and that's what I am. I know about these things, and I avail myself of them. Because you need to. Wow. I think that's such a true statement, especially right now. You know, if we're not giving ourselves to those things, in this season, there's going to be other things that are going to creep into our lives with the chaos and the confusion of this world right now. If we're not giving ourselves to prayer and supplication and building up those angels, there is a darkness, a real present darkness, a, a darkness you can feel right now. I was in Charlotte Airport today, and and um, I text one of my friends. I said, it's like I can tangibly feel the fear and the darkness that is that is in this airport. And I feel like I feel like if we aren't doing the things that you're saying right now, then there is something that is going to fill that void in our lives because there is so much chaos and confusion. But the green, is there anything you'd like to weigh in with? Yeah. Um, I uh, let me just speak to those who, uh, especially the young young men and women, um, you know, seeking seeking direction. What you have to do is you just have to get started with uh, with what you've got and where you are. For instance, if God has called you to be a missionary to Africa and you're 13 years old, 18 years old, and you're not able yet to go to Africa 
it's maybe 10 years away, five years away. What you do is you start acting like you are a missionary right now at your home church in your local church. Um, what you do is you start training yourself by doing outreach and evangelism, discipleship and Bible studies right where you are right now. Um, I, I say I'm speaking to this because I remember what it was like being a younger person. I'm only, I'm 32, so still young, holding on to it as long as I can, but, but being younger and knowing that there was a calling on my life, like, I mean, I knew there was a calling, but there were no details and not really a lot of open doors yet. Um, it's easy to become frustrated when you don't have details. But the reason why God won't give you details is because it's called a walk of faith, not a walk of understanding. And when God gives you all of the details, then you don't need faith anymore. When he tells you, uh, when he tells you the address to where you're going and you can plug that address into your navigation system and now your navigation system will give you turn by turn directions it doesn't require one ounce of faith but when peter said he said jesus if that's you walking on water i want to come to you walking on water so jesus if it's you bid me to come or invite me to come now this is peter wanting to do something that no other human being has ever done before except Jesus Christ, who was God manifested in flesh. And Peter has the faith or the audacity or maybe the little bit of ignorance to think that I can do what God is doing. I can do what I'm seeing Jesus do. I can walk on water. And he said, Jesus, tell me how to do this. Give me the invitation. And Jesus gives him one word, come. That's it, come didn't give him any details, didn't give him the equation or the blueprint of how to walk on water. He just said, come, that's all you got to do. Get started where you're at and get started with what you've got. Just pursue me, just come after me and you will be able to walk on the impossible. I remember, and I want to speak to this for just a second. There have been many critics of Brother Stone King throughout the years. He could speak to that probably for several hours about those who have criticized him. And the reason why there's people who criticize him is because he's, he's been used of God and he's walked with God. And if you follow in the footsteps of Jesus, it might lead you to a cross. In fact, it will lead you to a cross. Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, if you follow me, you're going to be hated. You're going to be rejected, despised, even killed for my name's sake. And there's been many people who have criticized someone like Brother Stone King. Um, and it's oftentimes because they don't see it themselves. They haven't seen the thousands receive the Holy Ghost, the blinded eye open, the deaf ear open, the, the crippled healed. They haven't seen these things. But let me just speak to you from firsthand knowledge that before I began traveling as an evangelist, I had the opportunity to spend time with Brother Stone King and travel with him. And I saw it with my own eyes. I saw these things happen. And let me say it like this. Once you see something, you can't unsee something. And what uh, many of you young people need to do is you need to get involved with prayer, with fasting, with intercession, and with getting your hands busy until you see something happen. Brother Stone King says it like this, make it happen. Because once you see a blind eye open, you can't unsee that. I'll never forget seeing my first 
deaf ear healed. I prayed for a lady in Africa and she was deaf and she was healed right in front of me. My wife was videoing it while we were praying for her and I, I can't unsee that. Exposure, they say exposure breeds a burden. Once you are exposed to apostolic ministry and demonstration, you can't go back to anything else. You can't go back to being a pew warmer. You can't go back to being an average apostolic. You are now changed and you will never be the same. I'll never forget, Brother Stone King mentioned the Andrews family and he preaches their conference called the Time of Harvest. And I'll never forget being there with Brother Stone King as a young man, very young. And I was there just trying to carry his bags and just glean anything I could. And in the middle of his preaching, he hadn't preached 20 minutes when the angels that he was talking about entered into the sanctuary and surrounded the room. And all of a sudden, there was an explosion. I mean, Brother Stone King wasn't even sweating yet. He was just talking and laying the foundation of his sermon when all of a sudden the angels of God entered that room and there was an explosion of shouting, of faith, of travail and intercession. It was amazing, and people didn't know what to do. It was just pure pandemonium, Pentecostal pandemonium and chaos. And I'm thinking, what, what do I do? Where do I go? Uh, and I'll never forget Brother Stone King coming over to me. I had no experience whatsoever. I had no experience, but I had exposure to this. He walked over to me. He laid his hands on my shoulders. He said, God do for Chris what you do for me. That's all he said. Do for Chris what you do for me. He opened his eyes and looked at me and said, go, boy, go. I'm like, what? go where? Do what? Okay, here we go. <laughs> and I remember just having so much faith. I didn't have the blueprint. I didn't have the Bible college education yet. I didn't have the book of how to do it. I just had a man of God say, Go, go, go. I feel the Holy Ghost right now as I'm saying that to somebody. Go. What you need to do is you need to have the faith to fail. Many of you don't have the faith to fail. You have just enough faith to go to church and sit on a pew, but you need to have enough faith that says, I have enough faith, I'm ready to fail until I stop failing. I'm ready to lay my hands on the sick and see them not healed until I keep laying my hands on the sick until they are healed. That night, I could sit here and tell you miracle after miracle that happened. When I started laying my hands on people with all the faith I've ever had in my life, I saw one man's leg, his right leg was twice the size of his left leg, full of blood clots. I didn't know what else to do but just say, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. And instantly, his right leg shrunk up, all the blood clots left, all the redness left his body. That man stood up and started running around the sanctuary shouting, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I saw several people slain in the spirit as we prayed for them, speaking with tongues, people receiving the Holy Ghost for the very first time. What happens when you operate in faith? Faith in God, not faith in yourself. Our problem is we want to have faith in ourselves, which is why we listen to motivational speakers. We want to believe in ourselves and say, oh, you can do it. You're good enough. You're great enough. You're anointed enough. You're powerful enough. 
But the scripture says that God has chosen the foolish things, the weak things, the base things, the, the things that are despised, the things that are not, to bring to naught things that are. The scripture says that in Colossians 2.9, that in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete where? In him. Stop trying to be complete in yourself and realize that I'm only complete in him. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. The scripture says that uh, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That power that worketh in us is our faith in the Holy Ghost, to have faith in God, not faith in myself. I am nobody. I am nothing. But in Christ, I can do all things. So I want to go back, and this is it. I'm done. But I want to tell you, young people, young apostolic men and women of God looking for what to do, just go until you fail, and then fail until you don't fail. Fail until God performs. Fail until you see somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. Lay your hands on 100 people who don't have the Holy Ghost and see them not receive the Holy Ghost. And then that 101st person you lay hands on, watch them get the Holy Ghost. If you had not failed 100 times, you wouldn't have seen that first person receive the Holy Ghost. And I, I, I say it like this. If, if Brother Stone King taught me this. If you lay your hands on somebody and they don't receive the Holy Ghost, it's not your failure. If you lay hands on somebody who's crippled and they're not healed, it's not your failure because you can't give them the Holy Ghost and you can't give them healing. So you just do your work as the vessel of Christ and let God's spirit flow through you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Wow. My goodness, Brother Stone King, <laughs> I'm just going to toss it right to you. <laughs> wow. Thanks so much. I feel like going to the altar right now. I'm telling you, I almost feel like we just need to go ahead and have a prayer meeting. My goodness. It's just uh, absolutely amazing. It's just amazing. We're, we're at the end. Yes, sir. And we have a right. We have nothing to lose. We have everything to gain. We have nothing to lose, everything to gain. We might as well just do it. I had uh, someone said to me, I prayed, this happened about a year ago or something like that. I was in a service and uh, I prayed for a man and, uh, and he wasn't healed. And so this guy walked up to me and said, well, Brother Stone King, he said, you pray for him, wasn't healed. Why not? I said, I don't know why not. I'm not God. I, and I just walked away. But here's the thing. We need to, we're, 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 we really fail in this area. We need to forget what God did not do. We need to shout and dance over what he did do. Yes, sir. We, our problem is we major on the minuses. Forget the minuses. Let's major on the pluses. Let's shout and dance tonight about what God did do. Those that didn't get it tonight, they'll get it tomorrow night. That's the way I think. That's the way I operate. And that way, because it's God, there, there are reasons. For example, I, I was in a service one night, and there was a man in a wheelchair who got the gift of faith was in that place. I mean, the gift of faith was in that audience. That man leaped out of that wheelchair, ran clear across the front over to my right, and began to dance. The, the whole place exploded. People were on their feet that were dancing and shouting, and it, it was amazing. All of a sudden, this guy stopped dancing and ran back to the wheelchair and sat down in it. 
And I thought, what's that all about? So I ran over, then I got down the front. I said, what's wrong? He said, oh, but Stone King, he said, if they find out I've been healed, I'll lose my pension from the government. I said, what? He said, if they find out I've been healed, I'll lose my pension from the government. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding you. That dude, they wheeled him out of there that night in a wheelchair. He'd rather be in a wheelchair getting a pension from the government than to be healed and get a job and go to work. So I don't beat myself up anymore. I used to come home to service and beat myself up because this didn't happen, that didn't happen. I say, Stone King, they get a hold of God, you know, fast and pray. I don't do that anymore. There are reasons why people are not healed. I've had that very thing happen three times in the last several years. People did not want to be healed. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. So I don't beat myself up. I shout and rejoice over what God did do, not what didn't happen according to our regiment or our specifications or our expectations expectation there are reasons why people are not healed and i don't know that i don't know why there are these people who get the holy ghost wow yes sir um brother stone king brother green has to step away here uh he had a prior commitment thank you so much for being with us brother green uh, and, and everything you that you said has just been so powerful sincerely thank you for everything that you've said we're i'm honored to have you on here tonight Thank you so much. I've got another Chris, church service i got to rent to. Great to see you, man. God bless you forever. Proud Love you guys. You. We'll talk to Love you soon. Love you, man. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You know, Brother Stone King, one of the things that, that I, as Brother Green was talking, he was talking about people just being busy. That's what Jesus was looking for. And in the disciples, most of them were either busy fishing or busy at work or busy doing something when he found them. And that goes all the way back to Elijah and Elisha. Elijah found Elisha busy working in the field. And, and I think that's what he was talking about. If we feel like we have a call, we've just got to get busy in the kingdom right now. We don't, we don't have time to do everything else and, and worry about all of the, you know, being perfect and everything like you were saying earlier. It's just about putting our hands to the plow and getting to work and watching God do a marvelous work in this time. And we don't need pulpits to do it. I, I made this statement just, just a few days ago. Um, there was a gentleman calling the church here and, uh, they, they gave me his number as a contact and I, I talked to him for a few weeks and then, um, I finally just, I felt to ask him, I said, do you have the Holy ghost? He said, no, what's the Holy ghost? So I gave him a quick, uh, you know, Bible study on the Holy ghost. And I said, you know what? God's going to fill you with the Holy ghost over the phone. We weren't even talking on zoom. It was just a regular phone call. And, and yep. the, man, the man lifted his hands. I had him repent. And, and I said, when, I want you to begin to worship God. And about 20 seconds later, over the phone, he was speaking in tongues and travailing. And, and I mean, and just like that, God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and that's, we don't need pulpits right now. And I think that's one of the things that you were talking about. We just got to get busy in the kingdom. Dylan, I'll tell you something. <clears throat> I believe in you. I, I, I really believe in you. I believe that you are headed for some great, great things in your life. There's no doubt about it. There's just something about you. You have the kind of personality, you have the self-presentation that you can get away with things. People will listen to you just because of your demeanor. You carry your own authority in God. It's just obvious, it's obvious to me. And so once you, here's the thing I wanna get across to you. Like you pray for this guy over the phone, you got the Holy Ghost. Once that happened, 
it can happen over and over and over again. Mm. Once you break through in an area like that, wow. kind of, that means you've got it. Once God, for example, once you're ever used in the gifts of the Spirit, you've got that for life. Wow. If you be, if you behave yourself and work with it, but you have to possess it. You only possess what you use. Wow. You do not possess what you don't use. Wow. There are a lot of people who profess things. <clears throat> But they don't possess anything. Wow. There's a difference between professing and possessing. <clears throat> you are in a position to be mightily used by God. It's already on you. It's already begun to happen for you. Mm. So you keep going. Just keep doing it. Just sure. keep doing. It. For example, I was in a restaurant with Jonathan Shotwell. I don't know, a couple months ago, something like that. And uh, it was the 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 manager of the restaurant came over with the booth where we were seated, and his name is Chris, and I. We like him, and he likes me. He knows because I go there to eat. It's an Italian steakhouse. It's really a good place to eat. And you can't eat there every day, but you can eat there once a week. Maybe you can afford it. So we went there to eat. And uh, <clears throat> so Chris walked over, and I said, Chris, how are you doing? He said, oh, he said, I've got trouble with my, my left arm. He said, it's, I, it's really painful. I said, really? He said, yes. We're, Dylan, we're in a restaurant. People wow. around, okay? I, I said, let me have your hand. He gave me his hand. I said, I'm going to pray for you. I didn't ask if I could. I didn't ask if you'd like it. Yes, sir. I said, I'm going to pray for you. I just started praying. Jonathan joined me. We said that Seth right there in that booth and prayed for him. I held wow. his hand, gripped his hand. When I, when I got done praying, opened my eyes. I mean, I could tell he was sort of shocked because he's never had an experience like this before. But he thanked me and he, he walked away. They disappeared. I never saw him again that night in the restaurant. I think he was sort of shaken. But two weeks later, we went back to that same restaurant. We walked in. He was at the the check-in counter at the at, at the entrance at the entrance. Yes, when I walked in, he gave me thumbs up when he saw me, and he said, "In front of everybody, he said it works. It works. God had healed him. So I'm doing more of that. In fact, I've been on the phone today. It's crazy. The day has been nuts for me. Wow. I I've been on the phone. It's, just praying for people. I said, I'm going to pray for you right now. I read that. It's one thing that the phone call to say, well, I'm going to pray for you, but let's, let's pray right now. I prayed right now. I mean, it it shook him up. God was in the thing. You yes, could sir. feel it. It was amazing. Yes, sir. But Stone King, you know, in, in closing here, as we kind of, you know, we're winding down. Um, I just wanted, I just wanted to ask you one last question. And, and I think, you know, if if I could try to voice something for the young preachers in my age group right now, it's just simply this. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to word it correctly. Uh, I, we've talked a lot about, you know, Brother Green made some powerful points. You've made some powerful points. But what would you say to us right now to say this is what you, you've got to be doing and this, this is how we're going to be effective right now. The thing that comes to you when you're in a service and you feel to do something, go do it. Like if you feel to get up and go across the aisle and pray for someone, do it. In fact, I'm encouraging this in all the meetings I'm in. Yes, sir. It's amazing, Dylan, what's happening. These kids, these kids have got a hold of it. They want to do it, but they need permission. They've got my permission. Mm. 
And so I give it to them. And it's, it's astounding wow. some of the things that have happened. Wow. In fact, most of the miracles that are happening in the meetings where I'm at right now, I don't call them out. I don't have a healing line. I ask, I say, how many believers are in this audience? That are you baptized in Jesus' name have the Holy Ghost? They'll raise their hands. I say, now, how many of you in this audience need a miracle of God, a miracle? They'll, they'll raise their hand. I'll say, I want you to stand raise both hands or raise your right hand. Now I say to the believers, those who are believers, I want you to lay hands on them and pray for them. And Dylan, the power of God comes wow. in those places and people are healed in the audience and I'm not even involved. These things happen because yes. these signs shall follow yes, them that believe. Yes, if sir. you are a believer, the, my word for you and your question is if you are a believer, these signs follow them that believe. You've already got it. Yes, sir. They, they shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. I mean, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. You've got that as a believer. They shall speak with new tongues. You've got that as a believer. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. You've got that as a believer. They, believers, believers, shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. I've been preaching. I say, now, that's who you are. Why don't you get with the program? Mm. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Yes, Why sir. are you not doing it? That's who you're supposed to be. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do it now. Yes, sir. Wow. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. It makes perfect sense. I think the time for waiting is over. It's time to do. It's time that we've got to take action. It's now or never because we, the time is running out. We've got nothing to lose. Yes, sir. As I've already said, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But let's rejoice over what does happen. You know, just keep going. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wow. Well, I, 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 I think I can speak for everybody when I say that you and Brother Green have just been such a tremendous blessing. And Brother Stone King, you know, you've made such an impact in my life going all the way back to uh, touch the future when you prophesied over my life to start evangelizing. And here I am some three and a half years later, still evangelizing. And I, I love every minute of it. So, um, in closing, I, I would just, my prayer is that you would just, you would pray something, whatever you feel into every viewer. We have some uh, 270 on, on Facebook and uh, some 60 on, on here on zoom. So, um, just, just whatever you feel to pray over us. And then I think when we're done, um, I wish there was more of us, but I, I think everybody that's watching, watching, if we could join together and we could all pray for you as well for, for health and strength. Oh, I would love that because I've had a very bad time of it today. I really haven't had a bad time. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do the view. I would miss the whole thing tonight. My energy just absolutely was gone, but I've come out of it. I prayed <laughs> and uh, I've come out of it. I don't know what the problem is, and they don't seem to be able to tell me because everything is good. Everything is good. Yes, sir. With blood work and all of that, lungs, x-rays, everything is good. But there's some, it has an, it's an energy thing, and they think it's because of all the surgeries I've been through and the, uh, the heavy uh, sedations they had to give me, the... the, uh, the all the anesthetics to keep me, you know, totally immobile when they did all these surgeries. They say that it has a tremendous effect on your hormonal system. So they're working with me on that, and I'm doing some things, and uh, I think I think it's beginning to help. But anyway, uh, it's no big deal for Jesus. He just That's wants right. to touch this all fixed, you know. That's the whole deal. Amen. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, for the for the people who are listening. Uh, take what you've heard, try it out, experiment with it. You've got nothing to lose. Mm. 
everything to gain. Amen. Just do it. Because, for example, Dylan, this is the thing. You can do things I can't do. I can do things you can't do. But if you and I will come together mm. and we will pool our gifts, we don't care who gets the credit. That's right. We can reach our world. Jesus. And so my, my confidence is the younger generation. My confidence is in them. They are the future of everything. There's an anointing upon our young people. I've been watching. There's a whole session I could give you on that. It's just amazing. We're headed for some of the greatest preaching the world has ever heard mm. in the history of its existence. And it's going to be in the hands of the younger generation. And they're standing in line now waiting yes, for a signal from God. And they've got it because they need permission from the elders as an elder. I give young people permission to do Jesus what they fail to do. In I Jesus will cover name. for them, and I do cover for them. Yes, if they make a mistake, who hasn't made a mistake? Forget that's a bunch of nonsense. He who's never made a mistake has never done anything. Yes, sir. I mean, show me someone who's never made a mistake. They've never done anything. Amen. But you, you learn by trial and error, and you can perfect these things. And so for young people who are beginning, it, it may take a, a pretty strong nudge from God. But after a while, he doesn't have to nudge as hard because you know his voice, you feel his voice. Mm -hmm. So just get involved. Because here's the thing, young people. Once you ever get involved with the flow through of the Spirit in your life, healing people, receiving the Holy Ghost, you will never be the same. You can become addicted to it. You can't live without it. it. Once you've been used by God, you can't go back to what you were before. You're never the same. You become addicted. You can't You can't live without it. You've got to have a hold of that. That's what Chris is talking about. I remember when I first got a hold of him. I mean, God helped me because he, I mean, I knew I, knew I was right about him, and I did not let go. And there, he went through some rough things. I mean, he really went through some rough things. But anyway, in the end result, Look what he's become. Yes, sir. Because I knew he could do it. I knew he. I believed in him. Yes, sir. And he's got my permission, and I fought for him, and I still fight for him. He, he's he's an entre- tremendous individual. Yes, sir. He's a classic example of a young guy who is. T- Josh Herring's another one. I work with him. Joe Campitello's another one. They're, they're, and there's another one in Asia and in, in China right now. These guys I've worked with through the years, they're doing what I'm doing. I want them to do what I'm doing. Yes, sir. And here's the thing. Any of you who are listening to me, I want you to go out and just do it. Take anything from me you can get from me and use it, but don't mention my name. Mm. They don't need to know where you got it. That's crazy. You're not going to see anybody step on a pulpit and say some new thing that no one's heard in 6,000 years. I don't think so. We've all gotten it from somebody else, so don't worry about that. Don't mention my name because you've shot yourself in both feet. They don't know, they don't need to know where you got it. I just want you to take anything you can get from me, go use it and do it. That is my goal. That is my hope. I want to reproduce myself and whatever I've got a hold of and as many as I possibly can. Because here's the tragedy. At the turn of our last century, there were some men that were mightily used by God, Dylan. They were mightily used by God, but they never mentored anyone. They never imparted to anyone else where they had a hold of them. And when they died, their gift died with them. For what reason they didn't impart, I don't know. Maybe they didn't see the need of it. Maybe they wanted to be unique in their generation and didn't want anyone else to have what they had a hold of. I don't know what their, what their reasoning was. But whatever, whatever happened, or whatever it was, they did not impart what they had a hold of 
gifting to anyone else. And when they died, that all died with them. I don't want that to happen to me. I want what I've got a hold of to be carried on by the younger generation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My goodness. Wow. So anything I can do for you, I will do it. I'll do. I'll give it my best, best shot. Just take it and run with it and do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Brother Stone King, would you pray one more time over us? And then I feel in closing, yes. I think it'd be great for us to pray for you and your health. And then we'll conclude this tonight. Thank you so much. Lord Jesus, right now, we thank you for the divine presence of God we have found. Praise you for the anointing that's been upon us. I pray that what has been spoken by Brother Green, myself, by Brother Dylan, God, that you will, O oh Lord, let this become indelibly ingrained in the tissues and the fibers of the very souls of those who have been listening and viewing. Help it to become ingrained in their mind, in their heart. I pray a holy boldness upon everyone within the sound of my voice, that they will never be the same, that they will be used by you powerfully, mightily, that they will give, they will give credence, that they will, they will acclaim, they will possess their rights as a believer and they will become mightily used by God because Lord Jesus you know we need the demonstration of the spirit of God in power more desperately in this time than we've ever needed in all of man's existence I pray that your greatness the power the demonstration of the spirit of God in power will be upon everyone that is listening to my voice right now I ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ God, in the name, in the name of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ, I claim it for everyone within the sound of my voice. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus amen, name. amen. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray for health for Brother Stone King. Lord, we pray that whatever is going on, that there would be a balance of energy, God, Lord, and that you I receive it. continue now, Lord, the healing in Jesus' name, Lord. We ask it and we believe it by the authority of the name of Jesus. We commend it to go to him now in Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done, Lord, for every person that he has impacted, God, for every person that he has stood before you, and imparted a piece of himself into, God. Now, Lord, we pray that energy would be redeposited back into his spirit, Lord. We ask it and we believe it by the authority of the name of Jesus. Jesus, and we know that nothing is impossible or too hard for you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we thank you for it, God. We thank you for this session. We thank you for the words that have gone forth. We thank you for the impartation that has been transferred, Lord. Now I pray for it to be sealed upon every person that is listening. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Well, Brother Stone King, to say thank you is, is not enough for your time here tonight. Your time is very valuable. And I'm so grateful that you were willing to come on and just speak from your heart and what you feel for my generation and for everybody all across the world. And I, I know many are blessed by what you've said tonight, what Brother Green has said tonight. So I just want to say thank you very, very much. You are so very welcome. It's been a pleasure. And always a delight to be with you and uh, to uh, speak with you and fellowship. Yes, sir. It's been great. Yes, sir. Well, I love you and I thank you again. And we're going to go ahead and conclude this. Uh, thank you, everybody, for 
taking time and joining tonight on Generations. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Appreciate you very much, Brother Stone King. Thank you, sir. I'll call you back in a minute or two, all right? Beautiful. Thank you.